we get a mic check? Mic check, please. It's been a while. We haven't recorded for a while. I'm getting back on the uh, podcast pony here. Hoping to bring in some guests. Don't know how the uh, audio quality will be, but we're going to uh, widen our audience and widen our guest base today. Uh, I'm going to pick up the phone and call some friends and see how the conversation goes. We are post-quarantine here in 2020, October 16th, 2020. I think we need to reach out and talk to some old friends, document my journal, and uh, give the kids something to listen to in 2040 or 2080. So we'll leave with that. This will uh, we'll resume here when we have a pickup from someone. In- so I'm hoping my first guest today will be uh, Judd Curry. Judd Curry is a friend of mine that I met from in Calgary when I moved there in about 1995. Uh, John is a year younger than me. Uh, I was putting together a hockey team with the help of Kevin Sherwin in Calgary. It was mostly U of S guys that we were uh, able to secure to start a team when we were about 26, maybe 27. Uh, and Judd, I was working in Labatt at the time, and a guy in Calgary that worked at Labatt, Rob Sirkovich, later known as Mad Cow, uh, brought along a friend. Brought along a couple friends, actually. Ryan Tomlinson would have been another one. But Judd Curry was one that lasted, and uh, I actually consider him uh, in the, easily the top five, probably the top three of my friends. Uh, not that that's much of a competitive list these days. Uh, anyhow, so I'm going to dial up Judd and we're going to see how uh, see how he's doing today. Hey, Banker. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good. I've, I've done the bumper on the podcast so uh, all of our listeners know that I was dialing up Judd Curry today. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> are you still in Starbucks in Calgary? I am, yeah. Do you have a moment or are you busy deep into something? Just, uh, I think I'm almost done. I'm just sending it up to a lot. But, yeah, I'm in good shape. Well, well, I'll call you back. Call me back in, like, five minutes. Okay. If, if it doesn't work today, it can work another day. I know it's Friday. No, no, it's coming good. I just have a meeting at 10. That's all. Just call me back in two minutes. Okay, I will do. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. This is how it goes on live radio. I'm calling Judd back in two minutes. We will uh, pick it up there. Okay, we're going to dial for dollars here. Judd says he's ready to roll. Hey, Mr. Curry. Does that sound better? Uh, you know what? This this is just, uh, we're going to work out the kinks later. I don't know if this is all going to work or not, but I'm going to try to do it this way. I want you to have like a full studio. I know. With 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 carpet on the walls, you know, to have that Beach Boys like sound. I'm going to do that in the basement. I'm going to hang some heavy drapes and uh, get a microphone and uh, maybe even a camera for some live broadcast. Not, well, you know, so that's way down the road. Yeah, and, and make sure you have a full ensemble of uh, books that you haven't read in the background, like I have. Yeah, I'll have to take those books that I haven't read up from upstairs to downstairs. That means maybe I'll just maybe I'll just film it in the living room in front of the TV to make it look like uh, Dan Dan Patrick. Right, exactly. Okay, I know I know time is tight here. You gotta give a voice. You have a you have a meeting by phone in forty five minutes. Yeah, 
No, I just have uh, a cousin who, of mine who's uh, kind of between jobs and say just wanted to meet to pick my brain a little bit. So I got gotcha. should be here in about 42 minutes. Okay. We will uh, cut it by then, and if we if we haven't got to the end of our story, we can always get to another podcast episode. So uh, there's a lot of stories, Brian. Yeah, well, we'll we'll sort this all out. Okay, so where do we start? So I, I the bumper to this podcast, I said I had met you probably about 1996 while we were putting right. while we were putting together the lightning for the first time. And we stumbled across. We, I was doing it with Kevin Sherman, and Kevin knew Rob from Glaxo, and Rob knew you. Yeah. So he brought in you and Ryan, and we put together the team of Lightning with the best jerseys in the league, but suspect so, suspect so, team chemistry. So, so Ryan wasn't a buddy of yours? No, I think Ryan was a buddy of Carrie. Carrie's. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And I think, I think uh, every time Carrie walked into a room, Ryan heard the song Dreamweaver in the background. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually think Ryan had nightmares every time she walked in the room. I think actually, <laughs> I think I think he was. Or, or sorry, I take that back. Can I can I scrap Dreamweaver and uh, insert? Is she really going out with him by Joe Jackson? Right, or something like. Well, that's right. I that's that's fair. And so I should say at the beginning of the podcast, I'm doing this with all of my friends. Uh, I'm giving you full editorial control. If there's something that you've said that you don't want to hear, you can uh, have full editorial control. I'm saying that I'm leaving that in the podcast. So if you ever, in the in the future, listen to this and go, "Oh boy, I said something inappropriate," you can uh, you can ha- ask me to delete it. So um, yeah, so, for for sure. So I want to compromise the arts. Yeah. So Mad Cow for sure brought in a bu- I think he brought in Barshell and Cassie, who brought in Lee. Uh, I, I think I think Rob had a fairly significant contribution to that team as far as bringing talent. All those uh, all those pharmaceutical guys. Yeah. Sherman was one too. So. I don't think he knew Dean Cassie or uh, Chris Barshell yet, though. I think that was through Rob. Anyways. Well, well, I would have to say that up from that team, the best hockey player of all time that didn't really play minor hockey was Gord Rovers. Yeah. He, he is one of the best, nat- probably the most natural athletes that I've ever known. And never, and never really played minor sports because his parents couldn't afford it. Oh, is that right? Well, you know, my memory of him isn't positive. Is that he came and just started telling Kevin Sherwin how bad of a defenseman he was. <laughs> no, and you know what? He was that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he actually that said... kind of guy. In yeah. Our flag, in our flag football days, I remember, you know, we, we lost a game on, on the last play and one of our PBs stepped up and said... You know, guys, I own that one. That one's on me. And, and Gord just ripped him. <laughs> Gord was on the other side of the ball, but Gord ripped him pretty good. But that's kind of why I liked him, too. But. Yeah, I'm not foreign to competitive adult sports, but your your flag football team was really competitive. <laughs> yeah, and it got pretty crazy. But that's because that was because of me, right? Like, I got... E- even after that first year where there was a bunch of hockey guys, some of the hockey guys didn't play again. You know, I I got pretty crazy because I was just even at that age, just obsessed with winning. Yeah. You know, I want I wanted that little hockey team of ours to win all the time. Yeah. I remember that there was that infamous game where that team kind of messed us over. I think you weren't at that game. Uh, I was in Winnipeg. Yeah, I'll always remember that call that you left with me. Yeah. Oh, 
know what? I was, I was bleeding after that game because I literally was just giving it everything to win that game. Yeah. And then, and then that guy kind of rigged the ref a little bit, made a phantom call on us, which gave us about a forty-minute, <laughs> a forty-minute uh, power penalty that we had to uh, kill, but. Anyway. So my memory is, I definitely, that was just as I started at Coke, and I was in Winnipeg for orientation. And it's, it was a two-game total goal, and, like, we were up. Like, when I left, I think the first game we played them, we were up, and then we ended up losing badly, and we lost the two-game total goal. Is that how it went, or was it just a one-game thing? Uh, so that sound, I don't, it sounds like it was a best of three, but I don't, I might be wrong. I was surprised. I remember being surprised that we lost. Yeah, but you know what? We uh, we probably outshot them thirty to ten, like we did in most games in the <laughs> league, and uh, we we may have had some issues between the the iron. Hashtag. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Hashtag goaltender problems. Yeah. I I remember our goaltender said to me after that game because I dived in front of a shot, and it may have deflected off me and fluttered at two kilometers an hour to the net and went in. The goaltender said, you, you need to get out of the way. And I said, well, someone needs to stop the pucks. And I think that's when I went to my car. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave that in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will leave that one in, yeah. So anyways, it was... And you know what, too? I mean, that was kind of the change with me, with the football team was, I had complete control of who was there. And I know that, you know, we were all buddies and stuff on that hockey team. But I thought that we needed an improvement where in the most important position even then. But, you know, that was just me being a young punk, right? And I probably look on that going, well, maybe we should just add more beers and more fun. But, geez, I was just so obsessed with winning. And I, in a lot, and that kind of carried through to my minor coaching career with my daughter, right? It was all about building the team to win. Yeah. Um, and not at all costs, not, not certainly not in Trumpian fashion, but to really put all the fundamentals in place. Because my, my belief was that as young people, you know, the, the years you remember the most are the years you won. Yeah, um, for sure. Or growing up, yeah. growing up in minor hockey. There, yeah, there is something to that. Won three city championships here in Calgary, and I remember those vividly. Yeah, the way I would frame it is, you know, the be our best memories probably of hockey is when we're 12 or 13 or 14. Or, yeah, probably 10 or 11 or 12. And I think I was just... We were at a phase where we were done university and into our first few jobs, and I think we were just trying to like scratch back to being as happy as possible, which was meaning we, were, we probably acted like we were thirteen or fourteen sometimes. But it was—I mean, it, I, I hated hockey when I left it in grade eleven, and I loved it. I loved it when I was twenty-seven. It was like such good memories. I honestly thought we would play for like ten years, but it just never, never worked out. It's—it's it's funny you say that because I kind of went through the same process, and I'm sure we talked about this before, but. I probably didn't play for two years, and then I started playing intramurals at university. And that team won a couple championships too, whatever you want to call it. I, I always tell people that uh, I won a championship at U of L at '93, and everybody goes, "Oh, did you play for Mike Babcock?" I go, "No, intramurals." <laughs> <laughs> it really is as satisfying, though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we went from the Lightning with great jerseys. That's what I remember. As I was so proud of the jerseys we put together and. The good friends, and then you know, like like you said, putting together a team. Like you know, when I thought we, I stumbled across Paul Sutcliffe, and we had him coming out to like a third of the games, I thought we were going to turn the corner, but it just never happened. Yeah, well, if we would have got him to forty percent of the games, it probably would have. But 
but I but I, I am proud of the Shazam jerseys. I think yeah. uh, we influ- I, I think we were uh, influencers to the Big Bang Theory because after we did it, they started using wearing those Shazam. Yeah, and really, that was completely kind of by accident. I was way we were way ahead of our time, but I, I that was I wasn't even really shooting for that. But it was the colors that really worked. Yeah, it's uh, Shazam or even uh, uh, oh, what's the other one? Uh, oh, the, uh, do you use, do you Flash. Have any of those jerseys? Oh, those? You know, I don't. I had it, and like an idiot, the. You know, I know I don't. The long story is, is the crest started falling off. I don't know what the hell was in my head. I'm sure I threw it away, but I honestly don't know why the hell I did that. Well, I got one. Remember, I got one of the blue and black ones framed for the original Joes. Yeah. And they hung it up. Yeah. I, I, I went in there one day and talked to a manager. I said, whatever happened to that jersey? He goes, I have no clue. Because it wasn't up anymore. Yeah. I mean, now original Joes is owned by Kara Foods, like prime prime restaurants, right? I just yeah, saw that. That's weird. They probably just cleaned it out and tossed it, or, yeah. or one of the original owners kept it. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. The original Joe's logo over top of the Lafarge jersey. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh we, yeah, boys, we bo- controversial that was. Bo- uh, boys, I uh, I found a thousand dollars in sponsorship. It's going to take us eight hundred dollars to recrest the jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That was fair. That was a bad idea. That was that was letting letting uh, Rob go. Hey, we we really didn't need to do that. Even though that was a better fit for us. But. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, then the Point Feather I think sponsored us, right? Um. Well. Geez, you know. It was a football thing because they uh, we I I negotiated a great deal with them. It was all about. We got what we we got back what we spent. It was a great deal. Yeah, that's how they do it now. Point and feather, you know, it rings a bell, but I couldn't even tell you where that is in Calgary. I don't think it was the hockey team. It must have been, or maybe it was the league or something. But I don't even recall where, where was that. Well, that was in Oak Ridge, kind of down, kind of past 90th Avenue Southwest. Point and feather. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Past, past, past Glenmore Landing, and that part. Of one yeah. of the owners who I've really got to know well since I came back was Greg Taylor. He was a Saskatoon boy. No, come on. He's from Prince Albert. That's that's. I, I, grew, I grew up playing against Greg. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to know him really well since I moved back. He's done really well in the industry out here. He's expanded. I think he has six or seven restaurants out here. Yeah, he got into it heavy. He actually he's, he is from PA, but he did move to Yorkton uh, probably in high school. But no, no, I, I've known Greg forever. I, that's where I was thinking I heard it from. And he, him and uh, Greg, him and Craig Bonner, friends. Yeah, good guy. Really yeah. good guy. Yeah, 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 really good guy for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I guess since then we're both divorced. <laughs> that, is, that is correct. <laughs> Marriage survivors. We brought four children into the world. Uh, so you, so you uh, left left Calgary. You went to New Brunswick to work with uh, McCain's. That is correct. I'll always remember you said it was like going back to 1950s. It was. Yeah, I w- I lived in a uh, I lived in a room over the Ross, just like the Ponds. But but it, it must have been pretty nice, or was it not nice at all? No, it was incredibly endearing. I loved my time there. And you know what? For a Western Canadian kid who'd never really been there and experienced the Maritimes, you know, 
to this day, I love the free shape of Maritime. And, you know, I went there to manage the frozen potato portfolio, which was basically French fries and the cane, which was their, basically their flagship. And, you know, like most business opportunities, I saw an opportunity, you know, the cane at the time and 03, 04 was, well, the entire food industry was in this massive anti-carbohydrate storm and McCain was part of that and even like the rice guys were pointing their fingers at the fry guys going no 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 they're really bad right? <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know and McCain had done some great things with the production of their fries they moved to a non-hydrogenated process sort of get too technical but what that did was is it ripped all the trans fats and saturated fats and cholesterol out of the out of the product and they did nothing to tell anyone Oh. So plus being, being kind of a, a merchandising guy and seeing that all of the freezers nationally in grocery in Canada were moving to a stand-up freezer versus the old coffin bunker freezers. Oh, right. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, we have to get this stuff out of like a lie-down pillow pack, put some claims on the bag and move it to a stand-up. So really that's my claim to fame at McCain is I put everything in stand-up and quite frankly... The rest of the category in Canada soon followed. So that was my ticket into Florenceville, New Brunswick, and quite frankly, it was my ticket out as well because once I kind of finished that project, I was able to kind of write my ticket to do whatever I wanted after. But on the personal side, you know, it was a, it was a unique opportunity for my daughter, who was nine at the time, to, you know, I... I kind of wanted her to not be a homer. I wanted her to move around a little bit. And for how tough those moves are were on her and the family at times, you know, it really allowed my daughter to kind of go, once she graduated from grade 12, she had the tools to go, yeah, I can go anywhere I want and not have that anxiety of, oh, my goodness, I'm leaving home. So, you know what, the rationale to leave was, was very much four-pronged. Uh, it was great for me career-wise. It was great for me learning-wise. I mean, McCain was so uh, so lean in those days, literally, for me to execute that launch. I had to learn everything about the business from production to logistics to you name it to get that thing out the door. And quite frankly, it's paved the road for me to, do, to run my own business here 10 years or so later. No kidding. No kidding. That's, you know, that's, uh, you framed it up well. I can tell you've told that story before. It's, uh, that's, that's really, uh, very succinct. Good job. Well, it just, you know, it just is what it is. So, yeah. you know, and then that allowed me to, you know, originally, Brian, you think this is kind of funny, but, you know, my whole aspiration to go to head office in Canada with McCain was, is I knew that the U.S. head office was in Chicago, and literally, my, my original goal was to get down to the U.S. Um, and live in Chicago and have hawk season tickets and have my daughter play hockey down there. That's kind of what I wanted. But, you know, by the time my two years was up in Florenceville, I, you know, I kind of wanted to get out of there. Plus, the company was going through a lot of transition. So then I was very fortunate that the game was graceful to transfer me to Toronto. And that's how I came to the greater Toronto area in 2005. Yeah, which means Oakville. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we hooked up, I guess. I had moved out to Toronto. 
Um, so part of the reason why I'm doing this, Judd, to give you some background, is I'm doing a journal. So my boys, my boys assume that I have no friends because basically, as far as they're concerned, I don't have any friends. <laughs> There's one guy they met that I play hockey with. They know some names of guys that I golf with. But really, I mean, I could be making that up for all they know. Other than well, play dates and birthday sometimes, parties. Sometimes when you're, uh, you're such an involved dad, sometimes your kids think that. But you know what? You're uh, much like me. You, you've maximized every minute of your kids being young. So, you know, kudos to you. Oh, yeah, thanks. So I, I think that's part of the reason why uh, you, didn't, you didn't hear the introduction because I didn't want to waste your time. But... Um, I introduced you as someone. I think we have a fair amount. Part of the reason why we've been friends, we have a fair amount in common. We, had, we loved hockey. You, you had football. You, you played more sports. You probably even played basketball, even as a five foot, a five foot two grade twelve student. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we uh, and then we have the love of golf as we age, and you've uh, done better with that. Your, your game is much better than mine, but. Uh, so, something that I think we have in common is we probably played a lot of golf with our dads. Yeah. Getting back to the whole uh, doing this for my son so they can listen to it later on. So it's it's a you know it's a it's a pretty special moment. There's not a, many generations that would have spent something doing golf with their dads and kind of like the most time I spent with my dad for sure is on the golf course. There's no there's no doubt. It's not in the garage. It's not in front of the TV. It's not at the hockey rink. It's golf. I mean, we spent hours probably. 12, 15 hours a week for five months a year for, you know, eight years. It's, uh, you go back, I mean, I, I don't think my sons will spend that much time with me, to be honest with you, but I think that's the whole thing of the golf now is, is uh, you know, it's, it, it gives us exercise as we age a bit and gives us an opportunity to be with some friends and kind of lets us live our youth, which we did as, I guess, when we played hockey too, it allowed us to act 16 or whatever. That there's no question, Brian, that, you know, as I've gotten older and, you know, I, I appreciate the game of golf for so much more than, uh, than drives and putts, you know, it's so much deeper and, you know, it's, I've told people a thousand times or anybody will listen to me about my soapbox golf diatribes, but it's, you know, how many times have you walked up the first tee and you've been paired up with somebody like, Oh man, who's this guy, right? Yeah. But four, but four hours later, it's like you've known them your entire life. Yeah. And it it allows us as human beings to get off our social media, and our phones, and to just really connect with people because everyone has a story. And you know, even one of the last rounds I played this year, me and a buddy got hooked up with a couple that you know I've seen them all over the tee sheet all year, never never got paired up with them, but did. But wow, couple of mid-70s, you know, they've been all over the planet with his work corporately, moved all over the world, and what a, like, just literally, I was just captivated by these two people and how genuine they were. Yeah. And, you know, and, and everybody's got issues, right? You know, this this couple, you know, they've got one daughter that's doing really well, and they've got another one that's you know, maybe not as successful and has a little bit of jealousy. And, you know, everybody's got their stuff, you know? Yeah. But we just, but, you know, it's such a, it's just, you know, human beings figuring their way through life, but doing it the best they can, you know? And I just, 
There's, I've got a million stories like that from golf. I mean, I, I was down in California one time for work and ended up playing around, got paired with a, with a gentleman down there. This was uh, just outside LA, I guess. And it was one of the best rounds scoring wise I've ever had. But literally, it was like I was playing with my dad. Yeah. yeah. You know, this gentleman and I, we we just played 18 holes, and he's like, hey, Judd, you want me to score this for you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And I knew I was playing decent, but this guy and I, we were talking about baseball, we were talking about hockey, we were talking about golf, we were talking about everything, and it was the fastest three hours and 45 minutes of my life, and I was one under par for the first time in my life at the end of it. It yeah. was just... A wonderful day that I will remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, and and actually, those stories aren't uncommon. I mean, it's the same for me. You know, you'll like you say, you take a look at the guy and you think, oh, this could be a long afternoon. And before you know it, I mean, you have four hours and you like know the guy, and it's, uh, so often you meet people who it's just that, that's what golf should be about is two people playing with two other people who don't know each other and just uh, spending some quality time. You're you're bang on though. Like you you and I even had that. Situation in, in Scottsdale when we were there, when we actually got paired with the counselor, like the yeah, counts, the counselor from Hamilton, who was his reputation is horrible here, but <clears throat> honestly, it was it was actually pretty fun to golf with him, and I've golfed with him at the club since, and he's a really nice guy. Like his his public persona and his reputation is completely wrong. I actually, you know, he told me about the CFL problems in Hamilton and the whole stadium debacle and all that BS, and. You know, that's another exactly the same story. I assumed he was not the person he was, but he, you know, he was actually a great guy. And shit, we met, we golfed with him in Scottsdale. I didn't even golf with him in Ontario first. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, at, at the Ampa Golf and Country Club of all places. Right, that's exactly where it was. I wouldn't have remembered that, but that's that is exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, other than that part of it, I think. Uh, your review of uh, the Eppen golf course was, it's just a golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I make an impression on you. I don't remember saying these things, but I love it. <clears throat> <laughs> well, like I say, it's, it's the, uh, some, sometimes it's the, uh, I don't say much, but when I say it, <laughs> it means a lot. <laughs> but, you know, I, I can say in my now 50, 40 years of playing golf, that there's only one person that I got paired up with that I ne- I would I'm glad I'll never see again. It's only <laughs> happened once. It's only happened once. Do I happen to know this guy? No. Oh, I, okay. I could tell I could tell that story quickly though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. It was uh, <clears throat> early twenties. Me and a couple buddies. You know, it was a heritage point in Calgary. There was three of us, and we got the six oh one twilight time, like gold. You know, we probably played paid 35 bucks or probably back then 25 I don't know what it was but we're like oh this is the best we're going to get around really quick we're going to be done by sundown it's going to be awesome so this 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 guy walks up and I'm like oh boy and he looks like he's you know he's there's tags hanging from his new Hugo Boss golf shirt he's like right. okay. and, this, and this guy he goes, oh, sorry, and he ran up to the tee, because in the start, he goes, oh, guy, hey, hey, so you might, this guy joins you, he's coming in hot. Okay. Because we thought, oh, we're, we're going to be three of us at 6.01, we're going to be done in three hours, it's going to be great. 
But anyway, this 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 guy shows up. Yeah, I know where he's going. And he steps up to the ball and he goes one, two, three practice swings. Lays his clubs down at his feet, picks it up one, two, three more practice swings, then hits on every shot for the next five hours. <laughs> <laughs> and and. And when it was pitch dark at 10.45, when we're still out there on the 16th hole, I said, we got to, let's just leave this guy. This oh, guy's yeah. Clown. And my buddy goes, you know, we're 21, 22. My buddy goes, no, we can't leave. I lent him 20, I, I lent him 20 bucks at the turn. <laughs> so we had to, we had to wait out. And I think on what I literally, and literally I almost dropped a cart right into a sand trap on our last hole because I couldn't see anything. It was pitch oh, dark. Yeah. So anyway, that that is my one <laughs> pairing that uh, or getting paired up with someone that I hope I never see again. But you know what? In the other thousand rounds or thousand people that I've been paired up with, it's always amazing. Yep, I agree. I completely agree. So we are at the uh, thirty minute mark. I don't know how much more time you have. Uh, I, my only script was to talk about uh, meeting you in Calgary, uh, our lightning time together, our golf journey, uh, our time together in Ontario, <clears throat> which gets us to a little bit about our dads, and then here. So you did a good job. You're actually the easiest interview, and you're the you're the first interview. So I have nothing to compare you to, but uh, this is good stuff. What what well, what do you want to talk you, about? You, you have a uh, Howard Stern like uh, interview style, Brian. So. <laughs> And I have a I have a soft start at ten, so we can keep rolling. Okay. Okay. Well, this might require some editing down the road because I don't know what we're going to talk about. We're going completely off script. What uh, what, what what do you want to, what do you want to talk about? We I guess we went to Kelowna on a golf trip one time with the Lightning. That was you, a blast. You were so kind to come to my fortieth birthday party. I don't uh, know if you remember that. Downtown, right? Uh yeah. I, I forget yeah. what restaurant that was at. Uh, my I, I, Rio I was, was just 30, born. I was only thirty nine at the time. Yeah, and Rio was just born. Rio was only about uh, like a month old. Crazy. Yeah. And then another thing that I remember is your wedding day at your mom's house, and Lady Diana is the the day that Lady Diana perished in Paris. Yeah, that should have been a sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a day. It was, uh, it was an odd day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And it, because it was at my mom's, you know, because we wanted to do things on the cheap. We wanted to take, you know, if we, if we raised any money, we wanted to buy a first house. And I remember this couple walks in and uh, you could tell the guy was all about Lady Guy. And he was sitting beside, he was in my mom's living room, sitting beside the TV. And I went in there and I said, don't you dare touch that TV. And I said, my wife's family is English. If you turn on that TV, you're going to kill everything. And he was just sitting there, and I had to go up to him about two times, and I said, do not touch this TV, because he was sitting there with his leg tapping. Well, I go out in the patio, and I come back in. Well, guess what's on? Yeah, I remember. And, and everyone is staring at it. So I'm like, okay, well, i got to double down here and just... Uh, have another pint. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I remember too. Is we just watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was kind of lame. But you know what? I know other friends that were at other weddings that same day. That didn't do that. Much grander halls. No, in much grander situations than ours, and the same thing happened. Yeah. 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 
I, I wonder if it would be the same today. I don't know if there's that fascination with it anymore, but I guess she <clears throat> she was a like a pretty big star. Well, I think you know what we. I think if you think about the '90s and how things evolved, right? I mean, we first we had OJ. You know, OJ. Everybody was captivated, and then something as tragic as that, everyone was captivated. I think. I think you know today. Sadly, what you would have is you. You wouldn't have anybody touching a TV. You'd have everybody staring down at their phones. Yeah. Well, and quite frankly, because I wouldn't even—I don't—I don't even have a streaming service where I would watch the news. You know what I mean? It would have to be on YouTube or something. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I, I think, and I also think that the attention span of people these days is so much shorter than it was even then. They would probably go, "Oh, hey, did you hear about that?" And they would just move on. Yeah, um, it's just okay. different. It's just different. I. We, we, we were watching the end of 8 Mile last night for whatever reason, and it was funny because if you remember at the end of the movie 8 Mile, Eminem has this kind of wrap-off against all these guys. And it, these guys are completely in, engaged in the crowd, but it's like, you know, if you fast-forward to today, that same crowd would just have phones in their hands. Recording it. Either record, recording it or, you know, it's just... Um, I, 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 can, I can talk to you about my soapbox on that stuff for a long time too but um that just gets yeah. into <laughs> that just gets into grumpy old men territory okay we'll put a pin in the lady die talk I, i'll even know what i want to talk about we can either talk about the calgary flames or chicago blackhawks you love you love chicago you live in calgary well you actually love the calgary st peters and i follow the saskatchewan rough riders so we have a bit to talk about but this week it was interesting how Taves and uh kane kind of came out and said listen we're uh we're worthy of uh, a good team, not a rebuild. I was, you know, it's it's interesting. I think it's. Uh, they, I mean, they're they've been they've been t tied since they signed all those deals, so now it's coming to roost. I get. But what do you think? What's what's well, with the Hawks? Well, I, I think I think the first reaction is, you know, it was really more so Taze than Kane. I don't think Kane might have said a snippet, but Taze was really the one that said, "Fair enough." What yeah. do we do? Where yeah. are we doing? But. But, I, but here's the first reaction, and my reaction as a pretty hardcore Hawks fan is, okay, so you traded Leonard at the trade deadline, which basically said you've drawn a line in the sand and said, we've picked Crawford. Yeah. And then you let him go. Now, unless you have the next Dominic Hossett coming out of the bowels of Czechoslovakia, I, don't, I think from that perspective is, what is the plan? Because... The pillars of those teams are Kane, Case, Keith, Seabrook, and Crawford. Yeah. And Crawford, not single-handedly, but Crawford was a massive reason they knocked out the Oilers in that little playoff series, right? So, and he was he was the number one star for the Hawks in that series. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think I think from a management perspective with Crawford, he's he's one puck off the head and warm up from being in the retirement file. So. Maybe they didn't want to commit to him long term, but you had Leonard. You had Leonard in your stable. Yeah. And you, and you could have kept them both till the end of the year and then made a decision. But now Vegas, Vegas now is Peter Angelo. I thought Vegas was going to win it this year. They're so fast and so heavy, but um, now they've got Peter Angelo and they've got Leonard. I'm telling you, Leonard is the real deal. Yeah. He's a massive guy. He doesn't take too much seriously. He just shrugs everything off. He's a great goaltender, and I'd be shocked if they don't win the cup in one of the next five years on, when, under his contract. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially, yeah, it's, uh, it is surprising they let him go. And then surprising that they stayed out of, I mean, look at how many go good goalies switched hands. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It, it, you almost get the mentality in NHL that, that good goalies are a dime a dozen. It's like, uh, you know what? But I don't know. I just think, you know, you, you've seen pictures of my basement. I've got a couple of jerseys up there where there's certainly room for one more, and Crawford would be one of them. Yeah, he does strike me as a guy, who, like maybe not a top eight talent-wise, but top eight in performance and uh, winning under pressure for sure. Yeah, big, big game guy, right? And never got credit because, you know, the knock on him was, well, who couldn't win with that supporting cast in front of you? But he, in, 50, in 13 and 15, he he could have won a con smite mm -hmm. easily. What is the knock? Does he have injury issues? Concussion issues. Oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. So I don't know. If, I don't know if Subban's the, the guy of the future. They've got a kid that came up the year before last. This Colin Delia kid, who's who's pretty solid, and they've got uh, a Nordic kid too, which they think is, is kind of good. So you know the company line from the Hawks is well. You know we had Corey Crawford in our system. We couldn't get him off, and then we gave him a chance. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> did Did you say there's a Nordic kid? Yeah, I just don't know if he's Finnish or Swedish. I forget. Oh, so Scandinavian. I got, I got it for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one. Uh, and so the Flames got Markstrom, which is okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, you know what? Editing is so hard that I'm, I'm trying to make no mistakes. This is what I learn: is you, you record for an hour, and it can take you seven hours to edit. So. Um, the other thing was, uh, so the Flames got Markstrom, which is crazy that not only did they get a good goalie, but they stole it from Vancouver. So, uh, it's positive. I can't wait till TJ Brody starts giving the puck up three or four times a period in Toronto. Should be fun to watch. Like, talk, talk about a guy, talk about a guy that was in the, the Giordano blanket. Like, he, Giordano made him look so good, covered up all his mistakes. He, he is going to be a shit show in Toronto. He is awful. TJ Brody, all he can do is skate. Yeah, I mean, you know, TJ Brody would have been best served to go play for the Panthers, right? I mean, not the least. He's he's going to get just microscopically oh. eviscerated in Toronto. Yeah. It's funny that they just didn't sign Tyson Berry to one year, like Montreal, or like uh, Edmonton signed him to. They would be better off for Tyson Berry with one year than TJ Brody for four or five or whatever it was. Well, you know, I, I contend that that Edmonton franchise may be, you know, the best franchise in the 80s, but certainly the worst over the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they have just been given golden eggs in terms of draft picks and just utter mismanagement of that franchise. And Connor McDavid, you can tell by the look on his face that he's impatient with yeah. being a one-trick pony. <clears throat> and thank goodness they got Dreisaitl that year at number three, yeah. or it would just be an absolute debacle. I, I don't know how a franchise, and I don't know what kind of residue is on Taylor Hall, but I don't know. You, so you win McDavid, and I don't know how you don't sit there and go, okay, Hall and McDavid are my Gretzky Messier of this generation, and we need to build around them. I don't know how that doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> you know, I, I know that they signed all everybody to a six-year, $6 million contract, and it kind of, you know, Nugent Hopkins got it, and everyone got it. But it never made sense that they traded Taylor Hall just because he was the only guy worth something, you know? Like, I mean, I know that Everly was overpaid, 
Nugent Hopkins is overpaid, but God, Taylor Hall is just, I just can't believe they trade him. Yeah, it's, 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 it's sad. But, but look how many guys were in even the Stanley Cup playoff that were ex-Oilers that were character guys. Everly being one of them. Maroon yeah. being one of them. Barzell was, could have been an Oilers pick. I mean, the Islanders took him with an Oilers pick that they traded. I mean, there's just so many guys that they've let, left, they've let slip through the cracks. Yeah. All for naught. But, you know, Edmonton is very similar to Toronto. I mean, Toronto has... Massive guys under massive contract. Thank goodness for the Hawks that they already had a cup in the jeans when they signed Kane and Taste and their big deals. Um, that's the issue in Toronto and Edmonton is, yeah, you've got big tickets, but nothing to show for it. No, <clears throat> you know, uh, Matthews is, I guess he can shoot and I guess he kind of has a big body, but really, I mean, I don't really know how you like him that much. And Marner is nice, and I think he's a winner, and he probably. But you know, they don't have anything. You know, like they have no D, and they, they just don't have anybody that is is going to do it. It's. Uh... Well, do you remember? Do you remember years ago? And I'm not a big NFL guy, as you know, but I remember enough that when the Dallas Cowboys traded Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings, yeah, they got they got all these picks and all these players, which essentially laid the foundation for three Super Bowls. And I always thought that when the Leafs had that pick, they could have said to the Coyotes, we're, gonna, we're, we're open to trading this pick to you, but we want Domi, Strom, Ekman Larson, basically every prospect you have, we're going to take it from you. Do you want to do it? And I think that could have been a real turning point for the Leafs because they could have got about six character guys Matthews, that who knows? Maybe they, maybe it could have been a turning point. But you know, nobody ever wants to meet on the. Uh, nobody wants to miss on the next Wayne Gretzky quote, quote, right? But you know, he's probably worth. Like, I think they probably could still do that. I think they could trade him to a few teams, and he would be worth. I mean, he's worth more now than he will be in two years. There's no doubt about it. I mean, probably the Rangers would take him, and Phoenix, they might not be able to afford him, but. They do have to trade him. I don't. I, I just don't think. I just don't think he has it. I, I just don't like his game at all for a guy who's big and he doesn't initiate. I mean, he's, he's a lot like. Well, there's just so many big guys in the game now that are super talented but just have no effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many games that he's won by himself. You know, like you know, a, yeah. like again, I used to have his very first game ever when he scored four goals against the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. You know, like a Gidla would probably win eight games a year. I don't know what the average of a superstar is. Probably eight or ten games a year that they just dominate physically and dominate on the scoreboard and intimidate the other team or whatever. But I can't, I can't imagine that Matthews has more than three or four a year. They're, they're not like a Vegas or a St. Louis where they're big and fast and relentless. Yeah, well, what's that guy in St. Louis? He's a perfect example. Uh, uh... O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, God. So he, he probably he probably wins eight or nine games a year. I, I mean, I'd be shocked if he doesn't. I don't watch them enough, but he's the kind of guy I was talking about, exactly. Well, I, I remember either the Flames, did the Flames sign him to an offer sheet at one point? Yeah, yeah, well, that was the one that that fat general manager signed and actually messed up so bad that if, if Colorado would have accepted it, 
it was going to be a null and void contract, they wouldn't have got him, and they would have lost like the three draft picks. Like it was a complete debacle. It was the reason he probably got fired. Yeah, that's that's who they they signed an offer sheet to. But I, for, I forget the story, but somehow they messed up on the offer sheet, and, and it was uh, if the NHL would have enforced it, they would have had to give up the picks and also void the contract. I forget what what the story was there though. What was that guy's name? Yeah. That, that guy from the guy from Tampa, that fat guy. Oh. Feaster? I, yeah, Feaster. Oh my Feaster. The most embarrassing era of Flames hockey. Yeah, yeah. Next to the uh, flaming, the flaming horse era. Well, that was the beginning. Yeah, that was that was when I moved to Calgary. The young guns, Kale Hulse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Kale Hulse. The next Bobby Orr. Which gets us to, uh, I think you're probably running out of time here, right? I was just thinking yesterday about the CFL. I could talk about this all day. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, we have another episode in us for sure. Um, I was thinking yesterday, though, it was such a missed opportunity for the CFL this summer, you know? I'm sure there was some solution that could have been found. Maybe well, maybe, my, nobody, my, maybe nobody my, in the my, stadium. My, my insiders told me that the commissioner fumbled that one. Yeah, he kind of looks like a fumbler. Yeah, I think I think they had it, and it could have happened, but they something happened. You know, it would have been a great opportunity for them to get all kinds of exposure. And, um, but yeah. something happened there. I'd have to I'd have to ask my my guy because he he sent me a text after the announcement. He said it was there for the taking. You have to think they could have had Calgary and Edmonton as bubbles, and just kind of. Uh, you know, rotate the bubbles once a month or something. I'm sure TSN would have would have prepaid the for the season. At, at the time, it was Winnipeg. Winnipeg was going to be the bubble. I don't know if they have enough hotel rooms. <laughs> Honestly, like really, for a city that size, it's it's like Regina. Yeah, I know that from staying at the Louis Riel Hotel in 1998. <laughs> There's yeah. not enough. Yeah, I, I know Calgary and Edmonton can handle it. But anyway, I was just thinking that the other day. It's kind of sad that they didn't get a season in at all. Talk. Well, and you know what, too, that that just you know just allows the NFL to scoop up more Canadians in their billion-dollar marketing budget. It's you know I kind of battled that a little bit since I moved back here. I've got some good buddies out here that are just hardcore NFL guys. Yeah, hardcore. And I mean, it's it's like that everywhere, but you know, just the the sheer marketing power of that. But for me, you know, in terms of football, there's nothing greater. I'm, you know, the, the game itself, the Canadian football game itself, to me, is so great on so many levels. Yeah. I mean, you know, the rules are, are made for to actually execute plays, like returning kicks and punts and and, and everything. And, and the fact that we're, the, the league still protects half the roster for Canadian content is, un, is so unique to anywhere in the league. I mean, even the English Premier League used to do that, but they don't do that anymore. And I mean, I, I think if people actually peel back the onion, that if it wasn't for the CFL, there would be no, no CIS, there would be no minor football programs. I mean, it's just, uh, it's so great in so many ways. I just uh, wish the, uh, the well, but, you know, I guess people are always, they, they get what they deserve, not what they demand sometimes. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a humble league, so... It's a humble league from a humble country, so I guess we're not going to do that well against the 
NFL? I mean, when push comes to shove? For sure in the GTA, there's nobody under 35 that follows the CFL, I don't think. Well, and I think, too, you know, I mean, what the NFL has done by luck or by whatever, this whole fantasy thing has just yeah. taken on a life of its own. Um, you know, and people who are not even football fans have a fantasy team. Yeah, yeah. That's and very positive, that's, very you know, social. Yeah. And quite frankly, the NFL and college football, for that matter, for the last 70 years has been built on gambling. Yeah. And gambling is still a massive part, and I mean... Um, you know, that juice a lot of people. Hey, if you or I even have a hundred bucks on a game, we're going to be a heck of a lot more interested. In. So, you know, gambling has always fueled the NFL. Yeah. No, it's a perfect. It's like the game. It's the perfect. Uh, it's kind of accidental, but it's the perfect setup for gambling because it, it, all the teams play within seven hours of each other. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Well, you know what? We're gonna uh, we will end here. We'll end on a good note, so that you want to come back, and that our listeners are uh, thirsty for uh, version two, episode episode two with uh, Judd Curry, number ninety two. <laughs> that's that's awesome, Brian. Uh, thanks as always, and uh, I uh, can, can I suggest we call this Bankers Hours? I think that's <laughs> actually what I've called my podcast. Is uh, listen here. Because yeah. that's what my dad used to say to me just as he was about to give me shit about something. Like, listen here. <laughs> you listen here. You will not be taking your bike to the corner store and not stopping at the stop sign or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, that's a little nod yeah, well, to my dad. Well, if, if I had to name something after what my mom used to say to me, it'd be like, you goddamn kids. <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> but but Banker's Hours is actually uh, a pretty good one too. I'll take that under advisement because I, th- I, okay. I did notice that there is another Listen Here podcast already, but I don't think they're chasing me down. Okay, so listen, thank you for being game. Thank you for being open and patient. And uh, uh, this will be fun moving forward. So uh, have a good weekend. It's a Friday, uh, Friday, October 16th. Uh, I hope you have a good weekend. Are you golfing this weekend? Are you kidding? It's Calgary. Everything's everything's shacked up, and actually, yeah. the week forecast is not very good. I was gonna going to golf today, um, but uh, no, I think it's done now. I have to uh, work on my uh, theory, watching golf videos for the next five months. Yeah, it's a tough one. We're we're closed too, even though it's uh, probably sixteen degrees today. They they closed it down. Yes. Just too costly to keep it open. I think. Cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, especially private courses like that. The money's in the bank. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, so I'll, I'll send you a link when I post this, and uh, you give it a listen and tell me what you want me to take out. Sounds great, Brian. Thanks, Judd. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. So there we go. 51 minutes, 5 seconds of talking to uh, my friend Judd Curry. So, uh... I'm sure I could have been a better interviewer. I couldn't have had a better guest. He was awesome. He just ran with it. And uh, uh, that's exactly what I expected of Judd. So we'll leave it there. We'll sign off. And uh, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for checking in.